Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Joey in Atlanta, what's up? Clay, my brother, I, I, I gotta, I gotta argue with you here, man. Uh, you and I are contemporaries. I'm 38 years old. You're right in that range too. And, and when I hear your rationalizations for the cargo shorts, it's so comfortable, man. It's so spacious. You can fit anything in there. All you are is a dude describing why he owns a minivan. It's the same exact. <laughs> it's the same argument, bro. You are wearing a minivan around your waist, bro. I can't, I can't support it. I can't stand by it. This maybe is a mind-blowing argument here. You might have just blown up my cargo shorts <laughs> argument in one fell swoop. This is an amazing call. Uh, uh, I, I, don't e- I don't even know how to respond. It's rare that somebody makes an argument where I say, damn, he might have won. Are the cargo shorts the minivan of men's apparel? There's a long pause here. Can anybody argue? Roberto, you, you had me sold nah, on. Nah, yeah. nah, no He's got you no had me sold on the napkins in no the pub. But you know what's yes. true? In the minivan, everything can exist in the minivan, but it's still a minivan. Yeah. Nah, you, no way. No you way. even have a built-in vacuum cleaner I, in the I'm minivan. Not anti- what do they say? The min- they tried to bring back the minivan by saying it was a swagger wagon. Look, I think the minivan is fine. If you've got a bunch of kids, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. like if you've got a minivan is never a good no, look I, ever. Have, no, never a, a good kids, look, yeah. but no. it's a it's a useful look. Like there's somebody in my neighborhood oh, who no. has six kids, and you know what they did? They bought a church van, oh. and I'm like, you know what? 
I would drive the hell out of a no, church. Remember, like you, old you look like fan? you work for the YMCA. It's, it's <laughs> you so basically bad. do work for the YMCA if you have six kids. Your life is over. If you decided to have six kids, you might as well no. go out and buy the minivan so they can all get No, that is, that, that is one white flag you never should wave. I, I the, SUV, the SUV is a better look than the minivan. Of course. Yeah, the SUV is a better look, but if you have too many kids, you can't fit that well in the SUV. Like, I've got – we've got three – and I, they're all like, first of all, and don't even get me, I'm going to get started on it. I don't know when kids who were like fully grown had to continue to ride in car seats. This thing, this car seat phenomenon <laughs> that exists, my, if you can, if your legs can touch the floor and you are in a damn car seat, we have gone way too far. Yeah. Like. It my, looks like I, your your kid looks like Jose Altuve. He's <laughs> in a car seat. My seven year old can his, his legs can touch the ground in his car seat, and I'm like, this is like it's like it's like breastfeeding a kid whose feet are on the ground. Like at some point, you just look at it and you're like, I don't know when that woman should have stopped breastfeeding, but it was before the kid's feet could touch the ground while she was breastfeeding him, right? Like that is a that is way too long on the breastfeeding. Like remember that they had that picture on Time magazine of the woman like breastfeeding and the, the kid was like looked like on the nipple but he was like looking at you and his <laughs> eyes were like save me. It was like I could see right it was like the get out of uh it was like the get out of breastfeeding kids. He's like please make my mom stop breastfeeding me. Like if you can remember breastfeeding, you have breastfed too long, right? If you can remember sitting in a car seat, we have allowed the car seat to go on for too long. So I'm looking at my seven-year-old the other day uh, on our family vacation. We're in the car, and I said to my wife, like, his legs are touching the ground in the car seat. I'm like, I don't know what the rules are for the car seat, but I think that he's good enough to be out of the car seat and, like, sitting in a normal chair now. But it's I remember this before I had kids. Like, my my 10-year-old nephew, I was like, I, I don't know when this happened, but we were driving somewhere with him, and my wife was like, did you get his car seat before you left? I was like, "His car? he's 10. His car seat? He's going to be <laughs> yeah, in fifth what? grade. I don't, he's how like, he's he... almost old enough to have a kid. Uh, he's in a car seat? <laughs> what, does it go by weight limit now or there, something? I don't know. There are kids in Africa walking around with guns shooting each other <laughs> in revolutionary wars being conscripted, and we got kids sitting in car seats. I'm, like, I'm not saying they should be fighting revolutionary war, but I think they could sit in a regular car seat. Just sit there. Like my parents used to let me sit up front. Yeah, if you like at, if at you've six out, months old, if you've outgrown Gogurt, you shouldn't be in a car seat any longer. You bounce your head off the <laughs> off the off the <laughs> off the front dash like a man. People talk about CTE. That's why that's why we probably got CTE now in football because everybody who's playing right now is sitting in the front seat. Mom slams on the brake, bang, right into the front dash. <laughs> that's how you toughen yourself up. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Urban Meyer! Urban Meyer! Oh, Homer Simpson out there rallying for Urban Meyer. Welcome to the Geico Outkick Studios where car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price and you're ready to buy a newer used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Alex Marvez with us now. Alex Marvez, when's the last time you rallied out? In your, uh, you're a Gator. Somebody just, uh, Paul Pabst from Dan Patrick Show, just called in and said, when can we, when, what would it take to bring jean shorts back? And I said, back? 
the Gators have never left them. Are you wearing jean shorts right now? Be honest. I was yesterday. I will be today. I will be tomorrow. Why, why would I ever change? <laughs> Uh, where what camps have you been to so far, or and or are you planning to attend at some point this uh, this uh, off season? Ah, so let's start. I started with the Dallas Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Rams. Four days at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I was at the Carolina Panthers the past two days, and now I'm in beautiful Flowery Branch, Georgia, for Falcons camp. All right, so that is amazing uh, to to bounce around all those places. I'm going to Titans camp today with my kids, but I want to start. Woo-hoo! You mentioned you mentioned that you spent four days four days. Geez, I just had to almost died there. Uh, you mentioned that you spent four days up with uh, with the, uh, the 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 Hall of Fame in that game. Is it fair to say that anybody who argued that Lamar Jackson was going to give Joe Flacco a run at any point this year is insane, man? Yes, absolutely nuts. Absolutely, just crazy people. I mean, you could tell the, the young man. Look, it's a project, right? I and mean, you, you know, he he'll take he does his one read, and then when the read is covered, he runs. That's what he did at Louisville a lot of times. And you're not going to survive in the NFL like that. See, and people talk about oh, well, preseason games are terrible. You only need two of them. Well, for a team that has a developing quarterback, no, that's not the case. You want to have four preseason games in the case of the Ravens, five, so you can work on the stuff with Lamar Jackson. I think too, the guy that benefits from this not only Joe Flacco but Robert Griffin the third. Because I don't think there's any way you could have Lamar Jackson as your backup going into the season. He's going to need some time. And listen, it's going to be gong show type stuff coming up from all of these quarterbacks early on. We're going to see Baker Mayfield get a lot of work for the Browns this week, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, et cetera. And they're probably going to look similar to what you saw from Lamar Jackson. I just don't know if there's a guy right now. And Josh Allen, right now, from what it sounds like, is the guy that really has the, the, the likelihood of starting the season at number one. But that's, you know, as a starter, but that's largely because A.J. McCarron and Nate Peterman aren't exactly any great shakes either, and you'd rather just play the rookie if it's going to be that there's no separation between the other two guys. How many? So Lamar Jackson, barring, I, I think, cataclysm uh, like situations for the Baltimore Ravens, is not going to be starting at quarterback this year. I mean, again, I know it's hard to judge sometimes off the preseason, but this guy looked nowhere near ready. He is a project, as you said. Of the other four guys, you got Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield. How many of those four guys will start games in your mind if you were setting over under before the season is over? Oh, I mean, Josh Allen, like I'm saying, he's, he's a, got a real potential to start week one. He'll be out there sooner than later. He's the only guy in Bill's camp, from what my sources have told me, that is making wow throws. The yes. other guys make throws that are like, okay, yeah, great. This guy, though, while he still has his flaws, don't get me wrong, and he's going to make mistakes, at least can, can do some things. And listen, they, they knew, too, in Buffalo, he needed some help, and that's why you see Corey Coleman, who was just an absolute disaster with the Browns, couldn't stay healthy. That's why you see him traded to the Buffalo Bills. They desperately needed some speed back there. But Josh Rosen, because of Sam Darnold's injury status, I can see him getting on the field sooner than later. But the problem with, with Josh is that he, too, is going to be making some mistakes, and you'll be seeing that. He's you know he's not fully comfortable yet at the NFL level, but I give him a greater chance to start. I would say probably end up starting about six games by the time it's all said and done, just to give you a ballpark figure. Uh, Sam Donald, you would think it's inevitable he's going to be starting for the Jets toward the end of the season if he's ready. I'll put that number at four. I figure at some point the, the Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, exact a box uh, will run out uh, maybe around December, and that's when you'll see. Sam Donald, and I don't know if Baker Mayfield takes the field this year. I really don't. I'm putting his starts at two, and I'm saying that because he is so far off as a project making that adjustment from college to the pros. I mean, but, okay, let, I, want to, I, but, but I want to evaluate that a little bit more after we actually see these guys on the field this week. 
Yeah, okay, so let's go to Baker Mayfield then. If I am a Cleveland Browns fan and I hear you just break down the other three quarterbacks, you think Josh Allen will play and start a game, you think Sam Darnold will start a game, and you think Josh Rosen will start a game at some point this season. Is that a sign that Tyrod Taylor is drastically underrated or should I be nervous if I'm a Browns fan and I know our history of draft in the last couple of years, which is just abject failure, and the number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield, you're saying, may not start a game this year. But I think that was designed that way, too. I really do. I think that the Browns knew that Tyrod Taylor was going to be their quarterback for this year. It's much like with Patrick Mahomes. The plan was sit him for a year. They thought this guy, and listen, you haven't heard anyone say, wow, what a wasted pick Patrick Mahomes was. He only started one game last year. I do think Tyrod Taylor is underrated in the fact that the guy's got, actually, if you look at his numbers, you know what's so scary? They're actually almost exactly like Marcus Mariota's. I mean, almost exactly, except without all the interceptions. Marcus is better in the red zone, obviously doesn't throw picks fair, but, but you'd be surprised at, at how similar their numbers are uh, over, you know, ever since Tyrod became a starter with the Buffalo Bills. I think it's, it's actually he is a bit underrated uh, for what he does. We'll, we'll find out soon enough, right? Uh, you know, with the Browns, though, listen, they've got a decent supporting cast for these guys. I just think it's going to take some time for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, but they went into this. I trust John Dorsey. He has an NFL track record. I didn't trust Sashi Brown if you understand what I'm saying, and the moves they were making in Cleveland. So, I mean, look, if you're looking for immediate results, maybe Baker Mayfield wasn't the guy to draft, but I don't think the Browns are looking for immediate results. I think they're looking to win some games this year, four, five, six, and then move on next year and be ready to take that next step with a rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield. And think about this, too, because he's playing under a rookie contract because the Browns have so much salary cap space, he's going to have a bear of a team behind him. Trust me, John Dorsey is not done building in Cleveland. And by the time Baker Mayfield is entrenched as a starter, he's going to have a pretty darn good team around him. When you uh, look at a couple of quarterbacks that are coming off injuries, Deshaun Watson, and they're both in the AFC South in Houston – and then, obviously, also, you've got the situation in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck actually throwing the football and starting to look a lot better. Which of those guys are you more confident in and how they will perform this year? Because both of them have shown – I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson's only played eight games, but he showed a lot of flashes of brilliance in those eight games for the Texans. And then Andrew Luck, before he was hurt – looked like the kind of guy who was going to be great for you know a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Which of those guys are you more confident in coming off of injury this coming season? Andrew Luck, and, and I say that because the Colts, number one, upgraded their offensive line. They should be better there. Number two, he doesn't put himself, or at least he shouldn't, if this offensive line does his job, but as, as a much risk for injury as Deshaun Watson. And I think that's what's going to be interesting as well. Does his torn ACL change the way Deshaun Watson plays at all? When you talk about zone reads and things like that that the Houston Texans are putting in, are you going to be exposing this guy to some big hits? I mean, it's the style of play a lot of times that, that can expose a player. And, you know, how quickly is Deshaun Watson going to develop in this new system? I'm, I'm very curious about it. I, I don't have an answer to this because we don't really know what their offense is. We just know that it's not the, the Tom Savage offense that they went into the 2017 season with. So I, I think that's what's so interesting. But, look, you're going to see defenses try to just beat the crap out of the quarterback this year to stop the RPOs, things like that. I mean, I, I've talked to, to George Edwards, the Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator, about it. It's like, you know, you've got a certain amount of leeway when it comes to popping the quarterback. If he's holding on to the football or, you know, or even hands it off on a delay, you could still maybe get a shot at a guy. I'm just going to be very interested to see how, inter- how defenses treat quarterbacks this year that have the possibility of running. Three big, I would say, signees that we expect to see start, obviously. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, 
Alex Smith in D.C., and then we've got uh, – uh, and, and his name now is uh, – I always sort of say Colt McCoy – uh, but uh, but but not Colt McCoy, the new uh, the new Broncos, uh, Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum. <laughs> I don't know why I get Case Keenum and Colt McCoy mixed up so much. Of those three, and Case Keenum's now with the Broncos. Of those three, who's going to be the most impressive at their new team this year? You know what? I'm going to go with Alex Smith. How about them apples? Right? I, I yeah. really am, and, and it's not. To, I, I just think that that he's he's look. He's Alex Smith, right? We get it. He's been considered just a very Average, you know, basically the standard average quarterback for the past couple of years, but he's the type of average quarterback who's averaged 10 wins a season. He's coming off his best year in the NFL in terms of deep passing. You know, he did a great job. He was actually the NFL's most efficient deep passer in 2017. And I think Jake Gruden runs a good offense. And I think, too, that Darius Geis is going to be a big time difference maker, the LSU running back in their backfield. I think Kirk Cousins will be fine. But, you know, what alarmed me was with Scott McClune, the former Redskins GM. He tells me, Hey, you know what? As long as the Vikings aren't expecting him to win the, win too many games by himself, he's going to be fine. In other words, he's telling me he's like a system quarterback, and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty interesting statement. You know, three years, eighty-four million dollars for a guy just expected to run the system and not be a difference maker. But you know, when you have someone that's worked with him and says that sort of thing, it makes me stand and take notice. I still think Dalvin Cook will have a real good bounce back here. Stephon Diggs just got paid. We know what Adam Thielen is, so we've got some weapons, but. Again, I'll, I'll be curious to see how Kirk Cousins handles all this pressure himself now that there's no more excuses about not being the guy, about not getting paid, etc. This is his baby. Let's see how he goes with it. As for Case Keenum, I think a lot of us are just wondering, is this a one-year Cinderella-type quarterback? How do we take what happened last year with the Minnesota Vikings? Was that Pat Shermer and great play calling? He was you know, aided by a great defense. I mean, is Case Keenum a difference maker under center? And I'm not so sure that he is. I don't know about the support he has a running back. They've got Royce Freeman right now, a pick from Oregon, who's competing with Devontae Booker. Some questions on the offensive line, a little thin depth there, and a defense that, quite honestly, got old. And just these drafts the past couple of years have been pretty poor, so they haven't restocked with talent. So I'm going Smith one, Cousins two, and then we'll go with Keenum three. And Colt McCoy four, an honorary. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're talking to Alex Marvez, Sirius XM. You can listen to him there. Uh, the games basically start week one Thursday. A lot of people are playing Thursday night. Then I think we got some Friday and some Saturday, maybe even some Sunday. Week one NFL preseason action basically here. Aside from rooting for everybody to stay healthy, which I think is what just about every NFL fan does. You know, It's just like you watch every preseason NFL game with kind of your heart in your throat because you're terrified <laughs> that big-time players are going to get injured in games that don't really matter. What is going to happen with the anthem? I have to ask you because we didn't get any anthem stories surrounding the uh, the pre uh, the game kicking off at uh, at the NFL Hall of Fame game, which was great. And there still hasn't been an official resolution that I'm aware of of what the rule is going to be. Is the NFL just going to not do anything and stay quiet and hope this story doesn't arise? Is it going to arise in week one of the preseason? What kind of scuttlebutt, if any, are you picking up on this story? Well, a big story out of Philadelphia is what's you know, Malcolm Butler and, and Michael Bennett going to do, and both of them said that they haven't decided what's going to happen yet. And you know, apparently there's going to be an op-ed of some sort coming out on Wednesday that may explain what the stance is going to be, uh, you know, toward the uh, national anthem from them. So you know, those are two of the guys that an you know, op-ed where in like a newspaper or like yeah, what or, is or the... the players or the players' tribune or somewhere. There's some sort of there will be. We will find out who it is. Don't worry. Someone will aggregate it. So you know, even put yeah, yeah. daily statements on Twitter so you don't have to actually read the story and help people you know, feed their families. So uh, you know, so what my feeling is, if you will know a little bit more from those guys, it was such a limited number of players that were involved in anything 
at this point. We're talking eight guys. Eric Reed out of the league. You know, I mean, so we we basically look at just a couple guys. Jarrell Casey, if he can still put his fist in the air at the end of the anthem. You know, David Irving was doing was doing the fist for the Cowboys at the end of the anthem, but he's not even active at this point. He's on a PUP list. So it, it's maybe five or six guys unless others want to jump on here. But, you know, anything that's abnormal, I'm sure it'll, it'll you know, trigger a Twitter response, and then everyone will point fingers at each other once again, and we can all argue and bicker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it is interesting on the anthem, and they're still working towards something, but it seems like they're pretty insistent on, on players wanting to have players, you know, on the NFL wanting to have players stand and trying to find the thing, you know, without violating the collective bargaining agreement, which, by the way, they make themselves legally open, by the way, if they do this because of the fact that there are collectively bargained rights and they may, the NFL may not have the right to tell players what to do during the national anthem. And I, I think we have a schism in the NFL uh, front office, too. I think Roger Goodell wants to give players the ability to continue to do the anthem the way that they want to do the anthem or base it on a team level. And you have Jerry Jones who's trying to make it mandatory. And I think, once again, the league did a loggerhead about that. And very interesting comments from by Colin Kaepernick's attorney recently alleging, you know, if you read between the lines, that Donald Trump and Jerry Jones are working together to try to get every player to stand for the national anthem. So, and that's part of the whole collusion thing that's going on right now as well with Collins' claim that he's being blackballed from the NFL. So, interesting times. Hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it'll be a story this weekend. Outstanding stuff as always. Alex Marvez. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Taylor Swift, Tuesday, hour three. That means it's time for Petros Papadakis. Hold on, we got to hear it. There you go. I knew it. Most people, when they have a guest on, they play music that that guest likes. Oh, no. I want you riled up and antagonized, just coming right out of the pen like a bull that sees red. All right, I got to start with the question here. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I am recording my own book. I know you have recorded books before. One book. What should I be prepared for? Don't wear any jewelry. What, what book did you record? I recorded, actually, it was one of the most, uh, actually, I really, really did appreciate doing it. But no one's ever asked me to do another one, probably because my voice is my voice. But I tried really hard, and I thought I did a good job. It was called The First Star by Lars Anderson, and it was the story of Red Grange. So, so basically, it was the story of the popularity of college football and yes. then pro football. So how long, like how many hours did the, the audio recording you made end up being? I think I did it in three days. Yeah. Like before the radio show. Yes. So like four hours, like 12, maybe 12 hours. It was, it was difficult because you have to read everything absolutely correctly. It's not like a radio show that's live that allows for mistakes and such. And you have to pronounce things that you might not know correctly. It's your book, so I'm sure you'll be able to pronounce it, and they're your words, so it'll probably be a little easier in that regard. But the weirdest thing is the sensitivity of the microphone. Like the microphone you're on right now, are you on a headset right now? Yes. Okay, that's, I don't know how much those cost. Those are like probably 200 bucks maybe. The microphone you use to record a book, is, it costs like $40,000 or maybe more. And it's so sensitive that when you record, you have to go into a room filled with pillows and you have to take off your jewelry and maybe even a T-shirt. And if your stomach growls, you have to do another take because the mic will pick that up. Wow. Don't fart. 
I, I, I've never done it before, but I, I, they actually have me scheduled for four different days. So, I mean, obviously I do this show. I think you'll be was, able to do it faster because they're your words and you're yeah, such that's a my brilliant hope. man. That's my hope. But the microphone, that's the coolest thing about it is the sensitivity of the microphone and how cool and hardcore Alec Baldwin it makes you sound. Like, hello. Yeah. It's pretty it's <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I, I've never done it. I wanted to ask you about it, so I start doing that on Thursday. The one thing I'm a little bit nervous well, about is... I'm proud is, of you for all of your great success. Nobody's asked me to record a book in like eight years. I've never been asked. I mean, I've written books before, and they never asked me to record it, so I'm getting to record this one. But I am a little bit nervous just about doing radio for that many hours, and then you know your voice just in general. Like That's a long time to talk. Most people, like we talk a lot. Most people don't talk as much as we do, and then you add in like another five hours of reading. I'm a little bit nervous about it. Um, so let me get your opinion on this. You hate most things, so I am no, going. That's not fair. Right. You hate a lot of things. All I'm right. going. I'm to, better. I'm better than I was. I am going to training camp uh, for the Tennessee Titans here. NFL training camp. I'm don't going. Don't you hate because, the Tennessee Titans? No, no, no. I'm a season ticket holder. I mean, I. Well, I know, but you hate them, right? Like I mean, all your like tweets a, are hateful. Yeah, well, it's maybe true, um, but so I'm a typical fan. So I, um, I'm going, and I email the Titans because I'm like, I'm taking my kids. I'm going as a dad. I'm not going as a media member. I could go and stand on the sideline and like ask questions and stuff. I don't, I'm not going to do that, right? I never do that. So, uh, and I said, hey, well, there's uh, media people there that are actually working. Well, yeah, right. But I mean, I could like a lot of those media people. They are just there to be seen, right? They're not actually doing anything that substantial, right? They ask a couple of questions. There's at the nothing end. worse than the media douche who thinks he's really cool because he covers a team. Yes. This gets exponentially worse when it's like the Yankees or yes. the Lakers or even the Cowboys. These people think they're better than people that cover other teams. They're it's all total, idiots. It's, to, it's so true that if your team is a big team or they're winning – that you think that somehow reflects upon you as like you literally could have been covering any team, but yeah, you uh, won the championship. Yeah, you did it. The reason they won was because you, you wrote Warriors. such an unbelievable article about this game. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I emailed the Titans and I say, "Hey, uh, I'm coming. If there's any way you could like have an intern." walk my boys like through the locker room and like through the weight room for like five minutes that would be cool zero response you asked for a tour in the middle of no, training camp no no there's i have been to that i have been to the camp a billion times right there are a billion people there it is easy to just walk through it, they do it all the time i i used to be broadcast from the damn training camp for years no response from the new head coach mike Vrabel. Not well, even I, I don't think you should take it personally. Oh, I think it's a. I, I, I people are asking, is that a possibility that it's an Ohio State thing? What are you talking about? Because Vrabel's a big Ohio State guy. You're overthinking this. Football camp is a confusing time for everybody, and not everybody handles it well. You just saw what the punter in Denver did. Have you ever gotten confronted like that? Yeah, all the time. By, but like, what's ran the, up on me like that at a Pac-10 media day. For something you said on your radio show? Mm-hmm. Is that the most uncomfortable interaction you've ever had? No, because it's, it's usually for me, it was about USC, you know, and some they expect you to be at like USC a, saying, 
they expect you to be a, a real Trojan. Yeah, right. You know, that kind of thing. And, and you just have to say, well, I don't work for you. I don't owe you anything. You know, that kind of stuff. And you have to remain calm like Clay Travis. And if you can do that, it's fine. But I really don't think the Tennessee Titans are out to get you. I think I they didn't get back to you on an email, maybe because they're trying to lock down camp and they're just not doing that type of thing. Maybe it's a certain kind of day that they're not doing that type of thing. It's, it's no big deal. Uh, football teams don't give. They take. They, they're not a giving thing. College or pro football programs have a bunch of people that are sycophants that want to be around them 24-7 and want to be a part of it because they'll never put on a helmet and score a touchdown or anything like that. So they get closer to it, and they're fans, and they love it, and they feel cool. That makes the NFL team or college team uh, be very selective, like a mean girl at a high school with who gets to hang out. And, and, by the, and way, the more you get upset about it, the more you fuel the fire of uh, – of them thinking they're super cool. Let them have their locker room. I'll take your boys through the Peninsula High School locker room at the top of the hill. (laughs) Let me play this for you. Did you you see the picture of the Ohio State fans that showed up for the Urban Meyer rally? Yes. Did you hear the guy who sounds just like Homer Simpson that was leading the rally chant? If you haven't, you're probably going to want to play this on your show. I want to play it for everybody who's waking up right now. Here, one more time. So Homer Simpson shows up. All these losers show up at Ohio State to rally for Urban Meyer. And I've got a question. If you are a grown man buying poster board and markers to write something on poster board, grown man not doing it for your children, anything anything at all, do you have to take a step back and question everything about your life? Absolutely. Do you remember the last time you bought poster board? And you're being treated unfairly? I don't know. I mean, I just find the idea of a grown man buying a poster board and like sitting down with a bunch of different colored markers and writing thing, writing things on a poster. Like you just need to question every decision you've ever made in your life that has led to the point where you walked up at the front desk at Walgreens and said, "Where's your poster board and markers?" Well, you know how people kind of have a tendency to lump things together, like yeah. If one thing bothers you, you make it about, like, everything else that's bad in your life. Like the Me Too, I support Urban Meyer, O-H-I-O oh, sign. Unbelievable move. I mean, that's unreal. That, that's, and, and, and Larry Fedora, God bless him, talking about the kickoff. They're attacking our game. And when they attack our game, it's an attack on our country, and our country's going to go down. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> You're talking about the kickoff and now the country's going down because the game's under attack. It's like we've got to take a step back and take take these things on individually. I think you're right about the Urban Meyer thing. I think you've been the most pragmatic about it. I don't even know why Ohio State people would be mad at you. Is Vrabel mad at you? Ohio State people are furious. I should say it's hard to know like the percentages. What did you do? I've just been breaking down the Urban Meyer story in general. Everything that you have seen, you know, on Twitter or any of my articles or anything else, like I think it's been the most like reasonable, right down the middle. Like, let's analyze it. I don't and think they're going to fire him. I, they may not because I he's think so he's good. Get two or three games, and they're going to try to weather the storm. They're going to tie themselves to the mast like Odysseus. 
and hear the siren songs of everybody's disapproval. How did you just pronounce Odysseus? Odysseus. Do I pronounce it incorrectly? No, you're just not Greek. Oh, wow. You're fine. I've never anyway, even heard someone pronounce it that way. They're just going to ignore or try to ignore, I think, all the, the haulers from outside. And it's just, it's not a cut and dry situation. It, it's a complex situation. I think you've handled it very well. I could see that he should be fired. I mean, especially in light of what happened to Jim Tressel. But Jim Tressel didn't beat Michigan like this guy has. It's, it's an interesting Urban question. Meyer. Urban Meyer, yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> question in general. To what extent do you hold the head coach responsible for an assistant coach's issues, which may be multi-years in nature? And I, and I don't know. I mean, like that's a larger philosophical question that you, I, I you can debate. I was thinking the other day. Now, I wasn't the head of a giant football program and a, a global face in sports, but – I mean, I had a cousin, and one time they were over at my house, and him and his girlfriend started beating each other with the pool cues. I mean, I don't know who hit who first, but it certainly wasn't okay. You know, what was my level of responsibility there? <laughs> you know, I, was, I mean, and I, I tried to stop them from hitting each other with the pool cues. You know, they were people that had a really volatile relationship. What happened to them? They had a kid and, and separated. <laughs> oh, how's the kid turned out? He's okay, but, you know, my point is, you know, we, we, we've all been witness to people, you know, freaking out in public and, and, and having bad arguments and being abusive toward each other, even if it's just verbally. I mean, I grew up in a restaurant. I, I saw people at their best and at their worst for years. And, you know, you wonder about your level of responsibility and when you should step in. And then you magnify that and say, you know, you're responsible. When you're a head football coach, it's an amazing responsibility at the college level. Yes. Because you have the gray area between kids and men with, with your players. You have all the people around the program, including young girls that you're responsible for, trainers, assistants, uh, interns. Uh, you have all the Recruiting coaches. coordinators, like, in the, you know, a lot of them had the cute girls that they would use to... Sure. Uh, like, there's so many different... Yeah, right, what about so many the coaches and their families? Yes. And, and, and this, this falls under that jurisdiction. So, I, I'm not making excuses for, for Urban Meyer. He obviously, he lied at Big Ten Media Day, and that's his biggest problem. And I think you've pointed that out very well. Uh, but th- there's a lot that falls under these guys. And there's a lot that happens under these guys. And if we really went and scoured every program, we'd probably find fireable offenses for everybody. And that's why nobody wants the NCAA sniffing around. But uh, this is a bad look. There's no doubt about it. What about, speaking of bad looks, I was told my crew has put together an audio clip. You were talking about me on your show. I don't know what was said. I haven't heard it, but they said I need to play. Oh, your nipples. Men only have nipples. Something that you regularly hear. What's up with men having nipples? Yeah, why? Because they're developed as an embryo before you're assigned a gender. That's right. The nipples show up first. So when there's a guy like Clay Travis. Who got them weird pyramid nipples. And your nipples nipples are just huge. Weird, man. Just coming. Kind of droopy. They droop down and they're like a big part of like the actual meat part of his boob is like nipple. So if Clay Travis, who's thought about getting a nipple reduction, and I told him he's a fool, be proud of his nipples. He's a vain man. 
He is. He's got a lot of very big. He loves his got, hair. And he's got all them beach houses. He's got everything going on. Out. Check out my cool car. Look at my cool Clay beach house. is the happiest man in the world if it wasn't for his nips. His nips That's take the him. only negative. They, huh? they weigh him down. Yeah, whatever Otherwise, happy, he feels man. great about himself. Whatever you know? makes you happy. But, uh, but a guy like Clay Travis, does that mean like he was closer to becoming a chick in the womb than the rest? Of- and I'm sense, all right? man because my nips are so small, Super right? small. Yeah, that means I'm all man. So my nipples. I barely just, have nipples. I, you barely have, and I'm, I'm jealous. Like a Ken doll. You, you, I, you, and I represent on like the bell curve of nipples the exact opposites. Yeah. And I would trade my nipple. I would pay an inordinate amount of number if we could have like a freaky nipple Friday. If I could just buy your nipples and you had to take my nipples, I think you would be saying, you know what, I'm going to go get a nipple job. You'd be on the same train that I'm on right now. My thing is, if you get a nipple job, then the outside of your nipple looks all knitted. Like How do a you doll. know that? What? How do you, I, like, I, I have not, like, you have a theory about what the nipple... I had a nipple girlfriend will... who had a breast reduction. Yeah, okay, but a breast reduction, but it's is that the, the same, same thing, thing as a nipple job? The nipple. They changed her nipples? Yeah. They move them. Oh. But I, I just don't understand... See, I, I am. I think my my world would be a billion percent better at the swimming pool if I had normal nipples. I would feel so much better about myself. Everybody would know, only because I talked about it on the radio. Or you used to have giant nipples, and now you I, don't. I don't think people would remember. Believe me, the internet remembers. <laughs> Remembers. All right, last question for you. Uh, I, I, are you really thinking about it? I got offered a free nipple job, free you boob job. You should go unbotched. I don't. I don't want to get it botched. I don't want to get them messed up. No, no. Go to those doctors. Do it on TV with Doctor Terry. Is where are they based? Beverly Hills. Oh, do you think they might be listening? They might be driving into work right now. I don't know. I think that would be an incredible, like, to get the best possible person to do it. Yeah, I got it. I'm told that nipple job. You want it done right. I'm told that I have to uh, that I have to let you go, but I do. Let me just say this: Tell Matt Money Smith I appreciate the nipple discussion on your show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com, and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh oh oh! O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.